With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Dad Life 2020. 10 years later, 20 pounds heavier. Back at it again. Check me. Still rocking the docks, toss socks and crocs. Got some gray in the dough, call me Silver Fox. Got that ornamental turtle, steaks on the weather. Ten years later, looking better than ever. All right, hello. Welcome to the Kentucky Dad Podcast. Big Blue Drew here. And welcoming myself back. It's been a while. I had to take a, a literal and a figurative summer vacation just to handle all the dad duties and kind of uh, wrap my head around all that is the transfer portal and name image likeness and all that stuff. So we're going to get into that. Um, again, I'm, I'm glad to be back. I think it was our, our first one since late May. Um, felt good to take a little bit of a break too, but I've been working on lining up some kick-ass guests. Um, starting with today, um, we're kind of circling back to some of the A-list dads on the Dad Podcast. Um, so today we'll have Justin rolling on from Rivals. I'm really excited about that. But before I forget, please make sure um, you're following at Cats by 90 and at Kentucky Dad Pod. I'm sure that you've seen um, all that is the home field apparel craze. So we're giving away um, a pretty sweet unforgettable shirt on the Cats by 90 page. So just check that out at Cats by 90 on Twitter with all the details. You know, the drill with the like, retweet and all that. So please check that out. But again, got some good guests coming up to, to finish out this summer and kind of head into football season. So, um, Justin, man, thank you so much for circling back as our, I think you're our first, second time guest. <laughs> How could I not circle back? You just called me a kick-ass A-list dad. Nobody's ever talked about me like that. I need to get you to talk to my wife and I need, I, I don't know, that needs to be on like my, my headstone or something after I pass. That's really flattering. Thanks for inviting me back, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, you are. And I'm not just saying that I do. I kind of, and I, I'm, I'm comfortable saying I kind of had that, that top tier of you guys in the uh, mainly Kentucky media. So I've already locked in another who I consider to be a lister. Um, yeah. So more, more details to come on that, but all about Justin today. So uh, one thing I, I wanted to start with, with Justin. So um, again, if you don't know, Justin, make sure, um, you check out all that stuff with Rivals and Cats Illustrated. I mean, I'm sure you know if you follow Kentucky sports. But you left the door open, man. So, Justin, father of five. And I, I vividly remember during the last podcast, I mean, the door was at least left cracked open. So, are we still sticking to five? You're still father of five, right? Well, I've got an announcement. No, no, we're, <laughs> we're at five. No, no. We, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest. It's, it's an ongoing conversation. But, I mean, just to, to strike a serious note, she, I mean, five kids is a lot on a woman. And between like, not just having the kid, then like 12 to 18 months of breastfeeding afterwards and sleepless nights and just wearing the body down and, and just general aging as that happens. I mean, yeah, we've, we've, we've put our, our foot on the brake for, for now at least, but yeah, not ruling out anything down the road. Man, you're wow. I, I'm genuinely left speechless on that one. I'm so glad my wife has nothing to do with this podcast. She never listens. I know she's not going to listen. So that's good for me because we were actually at like a um, kind of a, a birthday. It's like christening type get together yesterday. Yeah. Um, and that was definitely baby fever was floating around. So I got us out of there quick. We ate. 
didn't want any pheromones getting there because I'm, I'm pretty well stressed out for myself. So who knows though? You never know. Um, I say that and it'd be great, you know, to have, I'm, I'm sure all the siblings keep each other busy, right? Your head is in the right place though. The, the baby fever is a very real thing in my experience. Yeah, no, they, um, they're at the age now they're 10, nine, seven, uh, four and two. And, uh, they're at the age now where the three older ones, are either playing or fighting together for the most part. And the two younger ones are always playing together and they really do entertain themselves for, for the vast majority of the day. I'm at home working all day and I see them all day here this summer. So, I mean, we have gotten into that kind of sweet spot where they, it's kind of like a self-driving car, you know, you, you, when there's a crisis, maybe you wish somebody was, was in, in the front seat. You wish that I were around, but mm-hmm. you can pretty much let them do what they want around the house. Yeah. Um, so I think, so we've introduced a, a couple like kind of regular questions or segments, Justin, I don't know that I, I'm, you probably missed this one, but very simple. We'll kind of kick it off with something easy and very intrigued to know your answer considering all the mouths you have to feed, but perfect mm-hmm. um, night to ask the question. So it's Monday nights, uh, you know, late evening, seven, eight thirty. Um, what did you and the family do for dinner? How'd you feed everyone? <laughs> She's going to get mad at me for telling telling you this, but we went to like three different restaurants. That's just kind of <laughs> what I do like twice a week. Like we'll go one place and or or I'll go pick up our food and then I'll get a call. Well, did you pick the kids up anything? And uh, I went to, I went to McDonald's and I got a call after I had gotten all of the McDonald's that one of them didn't want McDonald's. One of them wanted Wendy's. And I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Like Wendy's McDonald's, you're getting chicken nuggets and fries and lemonade or apple juice either way. So what does it matter? But I ended up having to buy an extra, so three restaurants and, and that's for seven people. It's ridiculous. It's a terrible habit, but that's where we're at, man. You got to pick your battles. Wow. That, that is a, uh, that's quite remarkable actually when you think about it really to invest that much time, but what do you do? I know I always use the thing and I, part of it's just because I like it, but I always say that we get chain pizza for that reason. Cause like we live in an area where you can, you know, grab all the hipster pizza, but I'm like, man, it's so easy. Everyone can get their own pizza, you know, relatively inexpensive, um, just makes yeah. it easy. So yeah, man, that's that's a lot, though. I'm glad. Uh, I know we have to do that a little bit. Tonight was easy for us, though. We did the traditional. When it hits, it hits. We just did spaghetti night, made it real simple, and it was um, it was delicious. So you can't do it too often or it kind of gets old, but every week or the other two. Thing, the other thing is, like, we, we love our kids. We're on this pod talking about our kids, but, you know, sometimes you just got to have some downtime, some guy time. And so I mow the lawn a little bit more than it needs to be mowed. I, mm. I go out on these errands to pick up food a little bit more. Yeah. That's when I throw the podcast on. I throw the windows down and, you know, remind yourself that you're not just a dad. You're not just a husband. You're also a person. And, you know, just to kind of have that time to, to be with yourself and center yourself. That's important for me every day. Oh, man, I'm sure somebody I, 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 you have to probably enjoy you know, and ensure that you incorporate that within your everyday because, man, if you don't take a calculated time to do so, I'm sure you'll never have it. And I try to find those um, in sports. Like, I'm still fortunate enough. I get out, like, I play softball, try to play a little basketball every now and then. That's always my biggest release. Like, tomorrow I have to play softball at 6.30. I get off at 5.30. I'll be stressing, cussing. Why do I do this? And then as soon <laughs> as I'm standing in the outfield, it's, like, best place ever. You know, you can't – you don't worry about anything else but playing some ball and all that. So – all right, three I different love- fast food restaurants. I was not expecting that. It was a strong start, strong start. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes us look really bad. So you got you to gotta team me up for some good ones. Here coming oh, yeah. Up. Yeah, we got this. We got this. Well, I, again, on this one, so um, with Justin, man, we're going to have to hit more sports than usual, and I'm perfectly okay with that because usually this podcast has kind of been my release from 
sports dialogue, et cetera. But I, I've been out of it for a few. So just I feel like the whole world is upside down. So one thing that the place I just want to start immediately, because um, I feel like it's the one that could maybe go the longest, is just, man, your take on name, image, likeness, how it's changed your job. I know that even now you're doing the um, podcast with DeAndre Square, I believe. Tell us a little bit about that. But just um, I was thinking about you and people like you the whole time when, you know, the switch flipped for name, image, likeness, and just even how your job and everything that you do is going to be changed forever, is it not? Yeah, it is. It's going to be changed. I think at first people kind of under underestimated how much it was going to change stuff just because it got here and like overnight at midnight, the, the whole rules just basically went away. There's no uniform policy. There's no procedure that was the same from state to state or school to school. And so there are a lot of advantages and disadvantages and nobody really knows what the market is like. So you got a lot of businesses, local businesses, small businesses that are probably, they're, they're probably huge sports fans and they're probably in big college sports towns wanting to do some advertising and some marketing when maybe they haven't even before, but nobody knows how much are we supposed to be paying these guys? Like I, I saw this Texas A&M site is, is paying these guys that were going to media days this week, like $10,000 a piece or something like that to wow. get exclusive content and basically it takes the wind out of the sails for everybody else which i don't have a problem with whatever they're paying for it but to drop ten thousand dollars for interviews with college kids that you know you might have been able to get the same information when the school sets it up seems crazy to me but you know we are doing the thing with square and uh you know he's a he's a team captain four-year contributor awesome kid awesome family super high football iq be a great uh brand representative for us and he already is for uk uh, and so, you know, we'll be talking about like stories from the road and just, you know, cool personal interactions and relationships within the program and digging a little bit deeper and previewing games and breaking down games. And, you know, that's going to run from the start of camp through the season. And we just wanted to show that, that you know, we, we do like the changes. We think it's overdue. We appreciate, um, you know, the chance to, to cover these guys from a different angle. And, you know, th this, this really strips the schools of a lot of their, you know, responsibility or kind of their gatekeeper status when it comes to access to these guys. But UK was really good about setting this up. And, you know, regardless of how they, they feel or felt about it, you know, they, they really did help us. So I appreciate that. I'm sure just the whole dynamic is totally different. And I haven't had the chance really to speak on, on it at all since it kind of came out. And I wrote down a few points, yeah. like the first one that you hit. And, and that's one that I think just somebody like, I kind of work in finance a little bit in my everyday life. And I think right now everything is so new and so shiny and we're just throwing paint and see what sticks. But like two years from now, you know, no one's going to want these hoodies, et cetera, you know? So mm -hmm. what I think is going to happen is that um, just, you know, through capitalism and however this works is, you know, there'll be certain sectors over the next few years that, you know, are identified as, you know, mutual for, for both sides, you know, generating money on one side and then, you know, doing what it's supposed to do, you know, promoting a player on the other end. But I think um, as it's the Wild West now, you know, it has to kind of naturally, and I think it's going to have to happen organically, just kind of narrow down, you know, what deals are really lucrative, what are we going to see the most of, and then from there maybe kind of tailor some rules and some parameters around it. Secondly, mm -hmm. I know that Mitch caught a lot of heat. I've been wanting to say something about this. He caught a lot of heat today. Um, and it seemed, I didn't actually ever even watch it. I just read about it. But it seemed to me like a lot of it was just his body language, more kind of like what he was or how he was saying it as opposed to the exact words he was saying. But I can see it from, from a regulatory standpoint. Just It still blows my mind how it just went from zero to 100 like this, that the NCAA just botched this thing so bad and so poorly 
that it had to be the Wild West um, in the, the switch get flipped. So I guess what I'm saying is I wasn't envious of anyone that had to, um, you know, immediately provide any type of governance over that or whatever. I'm sure that was hard. But if UK is going to do it right, you already mentioned they're, they're taking care of you guys and um, they're ultimately going to do, I think, do the right thing and, and be one of the best at um, this whole game. And then secondly, or thirdly, I guess my last point, I, um, I'll make this one short. You just reminded me of something, you know, with having um, DeAndre on your, your podcast and stuff like, man, the media training and stuff for them is going to have to be totally different. I mean, if he comes on there and slips up and, and you know, says something that they don't want to say, because as I know, and I've learned over the last few years getting into this is that, um, you know, they're very selective. You know, I can't, we couldn't just reach out to a Kentucky player. All of that had to get filtered through the University of Kentucky. So they're obviously kind of, you know, handpicking who they're going to put in front of you. So um, have you thought about that at all, I guess, or you think they'll get retrained or something? They got to assume that. I, there's going to be a process behind the scenes where they know somebody is going to be doing interviews and, you know, just depending on who it is, I'm sure they're going to, they're going to hit their talking points with the kid to make sure their message is heard loud and clear. So you got like, I don't know, let's say you've got a backup defensive lineman who's a freshman. Think about Justin Rogers. Somebody's a five-star recruit, you know, maybe some smaller site wants to get an in and to, to, to brand with him. Um, let's say he says something he's not supposed to. Well, there, there are going to be repercussions within the locker room for that. You know, that, there's going to be a strong incentive, just a natural peer pressure because of those college guy relationships, but also with the coaches who, you know, pretty much determine these guys' future in their immediate present. They still have the same incentives to fall in line. Now, if they slip up and, and say something they shouldn't, maybe damage control is a little bit more difficult, but that's something that I imagine the coaches will will quickly find a way to clean up through an, on another platform in another way. But yeah, no, I mean, we're not trying to trip him up. That's not the point, but there are a lot of questions. A lot of, nobody's really asked me this, but somebody could, could say, for example, how can you cover DeAndre square fairly when you're, you know, you're contracting with him basically to do this. And I mean, I, 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 the only thing I can say is just wait. I mean, you know, just watch and see what we do. I ran a piece of, you know, saying people who could return for a super senior year. I think right now he's, he's probably an undrafted free agent. So he's got some work to do and come back and I don't have any problem with that, but it could create a conflict for, for some people and in some situations. And I'm with you with Barnhart. I think he has like different hats he has to put on. He's got the administrator hat where he's delegating authority and making sure compliance is in the loop and he's running the machine. And I think that he was, he was just probably conveying the angst accidentally that he had instead of putting on right. his public relations hat. Exactly. Um, but uh, you know, I, it's going to be very interesting. I think there are going to be people that screw up. There are going to be high school kids that screw up. And uh, the, the difficult thing is going to be if a high school kid does something to accidentally compromise their eligibility, how lenient and where is the NCAA going to come down on allowing them to, to, to do whatever it takes to, to back out of that and, and to regain that eligibility. Those are some of the things that will be interesting. Yeah, again, it's going to be – yeah, interesting is definitely the word. I think just over the next few years, it's going to be just wild. I know I was at a, um, an AAU, AAU event over the last couple of weeks, actually, with um, one of your counterparts, um, Travis Graff. I know works with you at Cats Illustrated. And, I mean, it's just mm – -hmm. the vibe is totally different. I mean, especially hanging out with someone like Travis. You know, you're, everyone's in his ear, and you're just hearing, you know, the, the topics of conversation are just, just yeah. light years away of what they were. Um, even yeah. just a few weeks ago. So I'm excited about it, though. And, again, I try to even myself not to sound pessimistic, but um, it's the right thing to do for the players 100%. But I will be um, – I think 
happy, I guess is the right word. Once it is, I guess, a little bit more structured too. We kind of know what to expect year to year because um, the other point of all this was another reason I took a little bit of a break and I can't imagine for your work, Justin, is just how the transfer portal, and that's kind of been a little bit more gradual, you know, from last year to kind of this year, obviously with some of the rule changes, but man, it was like, I mean, Kentucky basketball, especially the recruiting is just everyone lives and dies off every player, you know. And now it's like I go to bed and I wake up and all of a sudden we're getting Kofi Coburn on, you know, second team All-American. It's just so much to keep up with and things can just – your t- entire roster can just change in an instant now. You see guys like Roy Williams and Coach K who kind of finally see what is coming mm-hmm. and how crazy this is going to be and probably finally realizing, you know what, this is probably a world for a younger man. And I think that's, that might be what happens with those guys. I mean, if you, if you, somebody who just wants to get attached to guys for two or three years, Kentucky was the wrong place for you in the first place, you know, for the last 12 years, that hasn't been happening at UK. So Kentucky fans have a head start on kind of that mentality and how to, how to adjust um, and recalibrate for the world that we're in now. I think it's good for the sport. I mean, I think it's, it's, it is like free agency and that makes it a year round sport. And, and under Cal, it's been a year round sport because of recruiting and because of the NBA and, and those pipelines have stayed interesting even when the season's out, but that's, that's going to be even more the case for schools all over the country now. So as a fan for, for fans, it seems like it would just be really interesting and fascinating unless, unless you're just not, cut out for that you just want a more laid back mild sports experience that's more about and i don't say this in a pejorative way human interest story and bonding with guys over years somebody like me i this has definitely been good for business and i'm not saying that you know as as you know that's what it's about but people are very interested and you know kentucky you think about basketball you think about football i can't imagine there's another athletics program in the country that's done the portal better than kentucky this first year so so that's been pretty interesting yeah, they just have so much to offer from a, a lot of different sports. And I think one side we haven't seen too, Justin, and I'm anxious to see kind of how the Big Blue Nation reacts, is that we're we're currently just hoarding all these players. But, you know, come the end of this year, the middle of this year, who knows, you know, at any point, um, you know, if we were to see kind of a max, max exodus of people going mm-hmm. into the transfer portal, especially I think maybe a player that, you know, fans really grew fond of, then uh, I don't know. I just I'll just be a little bit anxious and interested to see how the reaction is from there. But again, my stance is ultimately it's, it's the best thing for the kids. So it'll be in translation that'll be the best thing for the sport, and I think it'll be exciting. And I haven't heard anybody present it just quite like you did with it. Um, kind of forcing college basketball, football, and all sports. I guess really, if you care enough, um, into that year-round sport that you can follow all the time, and no doubt about it, it's going to have more of a you know professional aspect to it. I'm with you. I mean, I think um, I, I think some years it's going to tip the other way. It's not always going to break like it has for Kentucky this year. So people are getting a little bit spoiled right off the bat. But I think that is it's just something about the overall health of the programs right now, just with Stoops, five straight bulls and Calipari having, you know, what he's doing over the last decade plus. Um, in the long run, it is going to break the other way some years. But I, like I said, I mean, I, I just think that people have become desensitized to guys leaving on a whim, even making a bad decision. I mean, I'm not trying to single guys out, but we've also seen, you know, football players like Braylon Hurd, you know, just leave and, and, and Boone Williams leave. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't even a big deal at that time. It's like, well, yeah, it makes sense. He's going to leave, even though he's not going to be drafted. And, you know, five years before that, it, that didn't make any sense. That would have been totally unheard of. So the world has changed a lot. I think the people who say that it's changing too much in terms of these changes 
are maybe underestimating how much it had already changed and, and, and the, the changes that were already occurring. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, you got, you got to be open-minded about the stuff that's coming down the pike because it's crazy now, but I, again, I'm also with you that I think it's going to settle down and, and they'll find a routine and some common practices soon. All right, let's rapid fire a couple of sports ones. And um, these, these could be an all day discussion, but we'll rapid fire. Them. So since I got you on, I got to ask you, so football, how are you anticipating um, this quarterback race to come down? Will Levis. I think Will Levis is going to be the starter. There's a lot we don't know because we didn't see anything in the spring, and I thought that kind of sucked. But we know that, that Cohen's guy is Levis because the guy he handpicked. And so, I mean, I think at some point Gatewood could be the starter. He could earn the starting job. Levis could lose it. But I'd be surprised if Levis doesn't start the year as the guy. Yeah, I think for Kentucky to be the best version of themselves, that's probably um, where it needs to go and where it's going to be. All right, sweet. All right, um, next one, we'll do a basketball hot topic. Since I got you on, I got to ask you, too. Um, I know that's all everyone asks Travis about when I'm around him. But Jalen Duran, what you hearing? What you thinking? I mean, Cal is not letting up. You know, even after the Kofi thing, he's doubling down, and this is kind of his last great chance to turn the roster from what it is to what it could be. I mean, what is it now? I think you'd say it wouldn't be a shock if this is a top 15 team, probably is a top 15 team and could be interesting in March, one of many teams in that boat. But if they add him, then they would be one of the top three to four contenders nationally because a superstar is really the one thing that they don't have right now or that that we don't know if they have. Um, I don't think they're going to get him. I would guess he's probably going to go somewhere else. But, I mean, even if it's a small chance, we got to talk about it like we are because it would make all the difference. Yeah, that's – all the feedback I can really gather at this point is exactly what you started off with is that they're, they're still fighting. They think they're there. They think that they have a chance still at this hour. So, if nothing else, um, got to keep going after them. So, um, real quick, kind of along those same lines, Kofi, what was your take? What happened? How, did did Jalen Duran play a role in that? I mean, what was uh, what was your gut feeling? Because I've honestly heard so many different stories that I don't even know which one I believe anymore. I've heard a lot of people tell me a lot of different things, and I'm not a basketball insider. I don't I don't pretend to be. I don't have the time for it. And I don't have the the network for it. That's why I, I, I've got David and Travis. But the, the theory that makes the most sense to me is that this was real. Like it, it really may have happened. I mean, Ch- Travis heard this chatter back in May. And then sure enough, even down to the wire, it seemed like it was very possible. And I just think, I don't want to get into too many of the details that, that this theory would kind of speculate, but he already took two of their top, their, their two top assistants. If he were to take like their national player of the year candidate, it would get really ugly. And I'm not alleging anything bad happened. I don't think anything di- bad did happen, but I think Illinois would have been willing to throw everything against the wall to see what sticks because that would have been like the knockout punch. And I just think as it got to the end, I don't want to say there were threats or I don't know if there were threats or anything, but there was some speculation that there would have been a lot of hard, hard feelings more, more so than usual. And I think that's probably why it just wasn't worth it. Yeah, I could see that too. And then it's, it's type of situation too, where optics are everything, especially like week four of nil, you know, you don't want to really be you know having any negative spotlights like that so I always thought that that theory had a little bit of legs too I mean mm-hmm. even if they didn't care I mean the the storyline's obviously there so all right um we'll move along we got Justin from Rivals thank you Kentucky Dad Podcast our first one in a hot minute um I'm already enjoying it, it gives me a ton of energy so one thing that I wrote down on my paper Justin in big bold letters mm-hmm. um was Space Jam 2 reviews have you seen <laughs> Space Jam I haven't I haven't seen two 
but I saw the first one when it came out. I saw it several times, but that was so, I mean, I saw that movie probably five or six times and it's been so long. I can barely remember what was in it other than the soundtrack. But you know, my, my, my expectation and I will see it. My expectation is I'm going to be disappointed because I'm naturally one of those guys that, that thinks things from my childhood were a lot cooler than things right now. I don't want to be like that, but I catch myself doing it all the time. Well, I won't share too many details then. Um, I'll give a couple high level 30,000 feet ones. Um, one, I never like, I was, I'm like the prime age. I'm 34. I feel like I was probably like 10 when Space Jam came out. So yeah. I'm like the definitive exact perfect agent. Like Space Jam, mm-hmm. knew, you know, knew all about Space Jam, but like never really was like cult classic, you know, thinking that it was like this, this great movie that you can't mess up. I found it very, very um, compelling over this last week. Just how many people had the most passionate take ever about like making it LeBron versus MJ about whether they would even watch Space Jam running the original. I mean, just fired up takes. I'm like, you're allowed to watch it and still think Jordan's better. It's fine. Um, my biggest takeaway is I'll just say this. I won't share any details. I'm sure many people are like you haven't had the chance to watch it yet was um, a lot of corny aspects. Like you would think LeBron, you know, he's no, he's no, um, superb actor or anything but i thought the basketball scenes were awesome i thought they were a lot of fun um the way that they did obviously a lot more high tech than 20 years ago or whatever so watch space jam 2 we'll review that um with the dads coming up because i'm sure most of us will will have a chance to get into that but overall i liked it i thought it was definitely worth making and um it was fun you guys will enjoy it i just stepped on a box of legos which is very appropriate (laughs) for the kentucky dad podcast yeah i mean the the big thing that's it that i would add to what you're saying is i I don't understand why everything in 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 the nba has to become like the same argument and i know i'm not the first person to point that out but like the jordan lebron thing just doesn't on the court it doesn't matter to me like i how who doesn't accept this okay lebron james is the most athletic the, the most freakishly athletic specimen that's ever played the game. And Michael Jordan is the guy that you would want to have the ball in game seven of the NBA finals. That doesn't mean one's better than the other. They're different attributes. They're different intangibles They're different qualities, but like, how is that complicated? And why, why do we have to, why do we even have to go beyond that? I don't understand why everything becomes about it. Yeah. The Jordan purists are real, man. That's, that's another one. I'm in that in-between age where um, I feel like I'm, I miss Jordan really like, you know, I wasn't really old enough to watch him kind of in his prime. So I find that the most passionate Jordan defend, I shouldn't say defenders, but like his most passionate advocates are typically people like in their early forties. They're the ones that I feel like they've had a chance to see both in their prime at like a young sports age, but yeah, it's exhausting. I don't get into it. Um, I just appreciate the NBA. It's kind of what it is. Um, I've always just been a big, a big fan of the, the top players, Kobe, LeBron, Jordan. I like them all. I'm a front runner. Uh, I'm a playoff guy. I tune in in the yeah. playoff and that's, that's an awesome, it's been awesome to watch. All right, let's keep, uh, we'll rapid fire some more sports topics with Justin, start wrapping up a little bit here. Um, so football, new offensive expectations. I mean, is it as simple in the SEC as, you know, bringing in a guy like Liam Cohen from the pros, having, um, sprinkling in some Wandale Robinson, a new quarterback, um, is it going to look totally different to last year, or do we need to kind of uh, throttle our expectations and, and give this a, a little bit of time to work out the wrinkles? I mean, if you know what you're looking for, and I'm not a coach, but like if you watch a lot of football and you kind of know what you're looking for, you'll notice that they're doing things a little bit differently. It's not going to be that inside zone, just power over you 75% of the time. Um, but I still think that this is going to be a team that runs the ball more than most teams just because that's the personnel that they have. That's uh, that's what they know that they can do. They already 
getting C-Rod 25 touches a game. So if you're expecting them to like pass it 40, 50 times in a game, probably not going to happen too often, but you know, it is going to be the thing that I keep coming back to is like, it seems like a really big deal that they're putting in the whole Rams playbook. Like that could be, and I'm not second guessing it, but as an outsider, it's like these 18, 19, 20 year olds, how are they going to take to that? And I've had some of them tell me, some recruits tell me, that it would be awesome to get to the NFL. And I've already proven that you can master this NFL playbook, but it seems, you know, some off seasons, they say we're simplifying, we're stripping down, we're, we're getting back to the basics and fundamentals. This is like the opposite of that. This is going from like inside zone, you know, power ISO to, you know, the Los Angeles Rams playbook. So the mental side is what I'm most interested to see. Man, and you, I can echo that sentiment because actually the last dad podcast we did was with a mother and it was the mother of the Wade twins, Destin and Keaton. And they did oh, yeah. exactly what you just talked about. She's, um, she was kind of going through the other schools that were recruiting them. And she's, um, she made a point to mention that the difference in Kentucky was that um, they got up there, they did film with, with Coach White and Coach Cohen, and they showed them um, the Rams film. And she, mm-hmm. there was a vivid takeaway of theirs was watching that and, you know, how they would learn that pro style offense and, you know, could potentially translate that to professional football career. And she actually even mentioned that as like kind of the, you know, what tipped the edge over. And then they're like, you know, now I know it's UK because they're, they're, um, they're about that and, and really putting me in a position to succeed. So big time uh, basketball question. Um, I guess just overall, if you could pinpoint just a quick high level um, strength you're expecting of this team and maybe just a weakness just based off, um, you know, what we think the roster is going to be the way it sits now. You know, the easy thing to say is just a really deep team. And it is the backcourt's super deep. But I think they're going to move the ball really well. I think it's going to be a good passing team. And one of the things I always come back to and like, Ken Palm says, if, to win a title, you need to be top 10 offense, top 10 defense. You're always looking for that efficiency edge, like what leads to a championship. In my experience, championship teams are the best passing teams in, in college basketball. It just seems always to be true. The, the teams that move the ball the best have the best chance to win. It just seems to happen. And they got the SEC's assist man, Severe Wheeler. Uh, you know, Grady w- was was really good moving the ball at Davidson. They got a lot of experience. I mean, so much experience, so much depth, such passing. I mean, this is going to be such a unique Calipari team. So much shooting you would expect. Um, I don't have any huge questions about them, except uh, is Oscar, what level is he going to be at? Like, you know, he wasn't where he needed to be second year West Virginia. Can he be an all SEC player this year? Because if he can, that would make a huge difference. If he's not that guy, then the front court doesn't look quite the same. Uh, and, and then the other thing is who is going to be the guy. That's why, you know, Duran or Kofi would have been, or, or could be so huge in, in Duran's case, because I, I think Grady, could, you know, is a guy you feel good with the ball late in the game. I think uh, Frederick has, has a history of knocking down big shots. I think Ty Ty could be a guy that rounds into the kind of impact that Shea or Brandon Knight had, but you know, if they could add a superstar, um, you know, like somebody like Duran, that's the only chance. Um, that that would be it. They got a lot of good players, a lot of solid players, but I don't I don't know who's going to be great yet. Yeah, that was actually going to be my last basketball question was to, and I worded that question is, does Ty Ty need to be a superstar for this team to like Final Four? And I think you pretty much answered it. It might not have to be him, but I think that's kind of where everybody is um, looking, whether it's going to be Kellen Grady, Ty Ty, whoever. And then one thing too I wanted to mention about Kofi, and I've been 
wanting to get this off my chest because I'm hoping it doesn't prove to be true. But I just hope Oscar is as advertising the pain and is just a complete um, just just menace in there for one reason. I don't know about you, Justin, but I hate the stereotypical three-week stretch of the season where we're all going to be writing about how this team isn't tough and what <laughs> they need to do to get tough and they need to be tougher. And just – it's so awkward. Like, I hate being around the players when it's just like, you know – and I think that that word's used so kind of literally throughout college basketball can mean a lot of things. It doesn't just necessarily mean you're not willing to – to bang in the paint or whatever. But I was excited about Kofi and I was like kind of laughing, saying that over and over to my buddies are just like, God, we won't have that, you know, month of the season where we're just talking about toughness, at least. He should have been a solve for that. So for no other reason, I'm going to miss him for that. Calipari is going to be more interesting this year because he's not, I'm not going to call them excuses, but he's got his talking points that he likes to get across from the start of, you know, camp to, to the end of the season. And, you know, you're not going to be able to say that they're young. And you're not going to say they're inexperienced and you're not going to be able to say he's struggling with the same things that he normally has to deal with. So, you know, he's going to be talking about putting together a patchwork team that's just totally transformed from last year. How do you, how do I spotlight a freshman like Ty Ty? How do I, how do I deal with egos and playing time? That'll be similar to, to 14, 15, but yeah, yeah. He'll be talking differently this year, I think. And I don't think he's going to have to scream as much this year. He got to where he screams a lot. I don't think he's going to be screaming so much with, with a team that has so much leadership and experience. I think he's going to be more relaxed coaching these guys. He definitely built himself in a little buffer with the schedule, though. He'll be able to throw that one in quite a bit. If they That's get, true. If yeah, you're right. In the non-conference, he can at least call attention to the schedule. But, oh, I almost get goosebumps every time I, like, really take a deep breath and think about the actual schedule of the basketball um, team. Because, man, that first game, New York City, Madison Square Garden, Duke, Coach K's last game, Duke's going to be good, Paolo Benchero, all them. That is going to be amazing. I love five years or so removed from that, maybe a little less. I absolutely adore that they moved the Champions Classic to the first game of the year. I think it's awesome. So, man, the watch is officially set for that. I hope I'm there covering it and that, uh, you know, you would think that this team, if nothing else, I mean, every single year at this time, um, I'm just pleading, like, we know we're going to have these growing pains. You know, we know we're going to have these growing pains. But this team really should come out and have the experience. And I love the addition of Wheeler just because I think Kentucky so many times in the Cal era has just been, like, when things start going astray, whether it's a, a ruckus away crowd or, you know, they've had a few turnovers in a row. You know, when they've had a Tyler Ulis, they've been pretty good. But when they have a guy they can give to the ball and it's just kind of like nobody really, you know, knows the best shot to get or where to go. I'm hoping at least his experience. And I mean, hell, the dude literally led the conference in assists and is going to have playmakers and shot makers. So I think he's uh, under the radar going to prove to be pivotal. I agree. Yeah. And he's going to have to answer the question about his shooting. You know, he hasn't shot very well to date, but I just, I mean, they got a, a pretty complete balanced team on paper with, you know, one big on the court at a time and maybe an athletic three or four, maybe two athletic threes, you got shooters to surround him with. He's set up to not have to take some of those shots that he took at Georgia. So yeah, I, he's one of the more uh, in, intriguing players on the team for me because he was a good player at Georgia and I think you put, put him around the right pieces at Kentucky, a much more talented roster. That could really elevate his game a lot. Yeah, and then Kellen Grady, I'm just so high on him. I, don't, I think he averaged 17 points a game at, 
Exactly. Every single year he was there, all four years in a row or something like that. So I know it's just when you say 2000 points scored, I, I look at that a lot with high school basketball recruiting, too. And I know so much of it is the competition they play against. But when you get with some of these cats that score like like Dante Allen's a great example. Like when you get up and score over 3000 points, like I don't care who you're playing against. And he proves that when he gets into the game. Right. Because you're just there's just certain times when you're like, damn, that, that dude can fill it up. And um, I really look to that. So when you talk about a guy that's going to come in and already score that many points at this level, there's going to be no adjustment. There's going to be no, you know, physicalities too much. So he should, I feel like, be the great equalizer all season. So big, what, yeah, big add there too. That would be interesting. You know, how does 17 points a game for four straight years at Davidson, how does that transfer to the SEC and playing for a team that's just insanely deep? I don't know. Like, what does that look like? Is this going to be another year where, like, Mintz, like, 11 points a game was the leading scorer last year? I mean, it could be, you know. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm expecting him to be one of the better players on the team. And he's a really smooth player who can do a lot of good things. He scored every level. And then very last basketball point, I keep saying that. But the Mintz, it's so funny to me, too, because he was – it just took so long, I guess. I just feel like his decision just kind of got, like – people just kind of almost got indifferent about it. It was like, oh, it's taking a while. We had got tie-tie etc cetera, etc cetera. but if you go back that dude was the best player on the team last year in my opinion if you would just look holistically about like who was just out there hooping never deer in the headlights and I always find it fascinating that if you just put a you know just your standard basketball mixtape together without a doubt his would have been the best last year from some of the unbelievable soaring dunks he had to the crazy last second you know buzzer beating shots um crossovers all that I, I remember there was at least probably had a half a dozen like got me off the couch, just flew in through the lane dunk. So him coming back for another season is, um, again, to me, he's going to be another, like, great stabilizer that Kentucky fans haven't had the luxury of so many seasons because it's, you know, one person's panicking and you just put in another younger player, somebody that's just not ready for that moment. It was cool to see, yeah. It was because I wasn't expecting that from him, those dunks and that kind of stuff. Like, I didn't really know he had that in his arsenal. And he was a better defender than I expected him to be. You know, when, when things were really bad last year, you would hear people say – why is the sixth man at Creighton Kentucky's best player? Well, they won nine games, but it might not be that that bad of a thing this coming season. We talk about who, who needs to hit the big shot late in the game. Might be Mintz. Like, that's kind of mm-hmm. – they didn't win a lot of games, but he could be counted on. Like, he never shot away from it. He hit some big shots. Yeah, if you, if you know basketball and you're a basketball fan, you've played it especially – there's just certain guys that have it, and he, he's definitely one of those. I mean, stats, anything else aside, I mean, he, he's a he's a player, and he he wants the moment, and he's coming back with all that in mind. I'm sure, I'm sure he wants to make some big plays and you know chase his professional dreams once again. But, whew, man, good stuff. It was so much we could keep going. I said it's been just a, a whirlwind of plethora of sports news all the time right now. But Justin from Rivals, you're the man. Thanks for coming on. Um, we can wrap it up with dad jokes though. If you do, you want to go first? You want me to go first? I came, pre- I came prepared this time, and I can't wait. My, my oldest kid's 10, but when, when he gets to maybe like 15 and he's looking for that first job, I'm going to say, you should think about applying to that, to that place up there as a waiter. Tell him you bring a lot to the table. <laughs> that was a good one. I Did like that how you set it up. You, yeah, no, it was, oh, yeah, it was a, that was a great. You even set it up, too, in story mode. I wasn't even sure you were getting going yep. there at first. Well done, well done. All right, mine is, uh, mine's pretty straightforward. Um, my neighbor's terrified of the HOA, so he won't plant an apple tree. I told him to just grow a pear. That's a good one. That's a good one. Man, it feels good. Get some dad jokes in, talk some ball. Justin, I know, again, if um, 
you know what he does at Rivals. You know that tomorrow's a huge day with SEC Media Days. We really didn't even talk about it. I mean, I guess you probably kind of know what to expect from that stuff. But thank you for taking the time. We will definitely have you back on. You're one of the uh, A-list VIPs, most visible dads in the in the BBM media. So much appreciated. Thanks, Drew. I appreciate you, man. All right. Talk soon. Appreciate everybody. And don't forget, follow at CatsBy90 on Twitter. Check that out. You can get one of those sweet home field apparel shirts, and I'll mail it anywhere in the U.S. All right. We'll talk to everybody next week.